It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Upfront program for this Tuesday. A couple of times a month when they have city council meetings to explain our little format here. Uh, we have a council meeting uh, the uh, mon- Monday, uh, usually the second and uh, uh, fourth Mondays or the first and third. I don't know um, whether what schedule they're following. I do have the schedule here. But uh, anyway, there are approximately two meetings uh, a month uh, in uh, some months and in the summertime. Uh, sometimes it goes down to one. And when there's a meeting, we invite one of the seven council members whom we rotate around to come on the program and talk a little bit about the agenda that was covered the night before. Sometimes very heavy agendas and as a result, uh, we spend the entire program talking about those agenda items and, and kind of backfilling some information on them so that uh, uh, the taxpayers who uh, foot the bill for uh, things here in uh, Winsonget R.I. Uh, get a better idea of uh, how uh, the council makes its decision. And that's why we have one of the council members with us. On our first program with the new council, we had Christopher Beauchamp, president. Vice president now is with us, Valerie Gonzalez, member of the Woonsocket City Council. Hello. Hi, Roger. Good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. And uh, we are going to talk about the uh, the council meeting. And if we uh, we exhaust that topic, we'll uh, <laughs> talk about um, we'll talk about some other things because you are not a one dimensional person. That's for sure. You are. You've got your uh, got a lot of coals in the fire. A lot of I don't know what that uh, phrase is, but anyway, uh, you're a busy person. Uh, that I am, but um, I love what I do, and I love my um, opportunity to serve in the city. So we're going to look at that council agenda. First thing I usually do with the council members is let them look at the agenda themselves and say, Roger, if I were an editor of a paper and I was taking the 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 most significant event of that meeting and writing a story, this is the event at the city council that I would cover the most. So... That would be? Well, um, not because I put it on the agenda. <laughs> but um, the public, we had over an hour of public comments, about an hour, um, where we had a lot of the community workers that uh, came, came in. Um, there's different organizations that um, brought some education um, and, um, and they all expressed a willingness to uh, be able to work with uh, the legislation and um, the administration to be able to uh, bring some resolution to uh, some of the crises that we're finding, um, social crises that we're finding in our city. And um, there was a lot of conversation um, around that. And I think that um, it was important for... um, uh, for everybody to know the number one council uh, president had already been working on a meeting you know with community care alliance to address some of the issues and but we're also forming what i think from yesterday um, we might be adding the name task force because everybody was asking for a task tax task force um but prior to the elections um 
you know, some of the now counselors and um, uh, the mayor, we had been talking about forming a community partnership with um, some of the nonprofit organizations uh, to be able to just kind of bridge the gap between um, information and resources. And, and honestly, I just believe that um, that we do have the raw elements in our city to be able to make an impact in some of the uh, social needs. We just, um, you know, have to break the silos and just come together. Um, and, uh, and I was just really excited, you know, about that um, uh, in the meeting. And, and I really do believe that most of the, pretty much all the counselors share this desire and the administration. We'll get you right into the fire early since you brought it up. So the two uh, social service agency issues that are uh, in the news for the past couple of weeks was uh, the uh, homeless encampment breakdown and also the uh, the, uh, Kodak van. We're going to start with the Kodak van since there was a lot of uh, representation from uh, what I would call the, uh, um, I want to put it in a a nice way because I don't want it to sound snooty or anything from the drug um uh agency um uh, constituency here in Woonsocket there is a, a and various agencies that deal with especially community care alliance and so they were there and uh, they, uh, they they were concerned about that uh, Kodak van that uh, they certainly using the numbers the numbers were not very uh uh, yeah, sh- I believe they service fifty yeah. people a day. Yeah, in that Kodak van, they really yeah. do do something there, and and all of a sudden they were served uh, cease and desist to move off their property and so forth. So talk a little bit about how um, maybe uh, that task force might have to, um, uh, shall we say, mend fences with the uh, people who um, uh, issued that cease and desist order and, and maybe get them more sensitive to that particular issue. Well, I think that when you create a roundtable and um, you start having conversations, a lot of the conversations are proactive. You know, we're not trying to uh, figure out would I have done anything differently or, you know, um, like these conversations can happen you know, before any action is taken and then each, whether it is the administration can say, you know, this is um, what we're looking, uh, what we're looking to do and we can work together on it. I'll put, for example, the, um, the encampment situation, you know, um, if we had um, uh, a task force like this and we had a deadline of, um, these encampments um, being moved because of whatever the reason, um, we could have um, spoken with like community care alliance, gotten some social workers um, that oftentimes know these people by name, and I think that getting, you know, a lot of these people they're already working. A lot of it is funded through the state. Uh, the state funds it so that they can be a benefit to whatever cities they're in. So um, utilizing those resources that most of our taxpayers are paying for anyways um, and and working together, um, you know, uh, would bring about, you know, a different result. And then when when things are being questioned, you know, because, uh, you know, there will always be people that no matter how 
orderly you try to do anything or how compassionately or considerately you try to do any of these things. Um, there's always going to be people that will stand and um, want to point fingers or try to stir the um, or muddy the waters, as they say. Uh, but um, but when the organization and the administration can stand together and say, look, we did everything that we could, you know, to make this as um you know, as, uh, as, con- as to be as considerate as we could in the situation, um, I think that, that that's going to be a great benefit to the city. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I will, uh, okay. if you don't mind. <laughs> so uh, during the uh, election cycle, um, uh, Valerie Gonzalez and uh, uh, Lisa Baldelli-Hunt uh, were, I wouldn't say you ran together, but you certainly were, were um um, shall we say in a favorable um, uh, light with each other? My question is: Do you think that the administration mishandled either one of these projects? Uh, the encampment, um, uh, res- the, you know, removing the encampment of homeless, or the um, cease and desist order unnecessary, maybe for the uh, Kodak van? Or um, well, we'll see how you handle this one. Well, I think that um, there's. Number one, I, I don't think all the facts are being told exactly the way that they were. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that misinformation is something that people, you know, have to deal, uh, have to learn to not just speak what you're hearing, but always go to the source. I'll tell you, when I heard these things, um, you know, I found out some of some of uh, the information along with um, some of the public. So it wasn't like we had anticipated information. And the first thing I do is just call the source, you know, um, and I've had conversations about that. And I think that everybody agrees that in everything, you know, there was a better way. And that's part of the reason why, um, you know, um, I'm appreciative that um, I'm not moving this initiative forward without the support of the mayor. I have spoken to her about it. I. Um, and and she has um, said that she has given her support full support to um, this tax task force, and I think that we all can agree um, uh, that no, maybe it wasn't handled perfectly. It can be handled better, better. But now here we are, and we're making forward traction. Task force usually are slow motion, but you're not a slow motion person. How are you going to make this task force meet quickly? gather information and and affect change i think that there's a spirit of urgency right now and everybody you just ride that wave you know of of urgency it's this is not we're talking about issues that can't wait um you know a week makes a difference and um a day makes a difference so um prior to the election um, I was already meeting and touring with a lot of these organizations because if I was reelected, whether, um, you know, whether it was with whomever on the council, this was going to be one of the initiatives that I wanted to move forward. And that's why I thought it was important that um, the public knew that this um, uh, task force or committee is not being put together as a knee jerk reaction. We actually recognize the need prior um, to all of this happening. I think now because of the events that have transpired, now it just puts, it accelerates it a little bit. You know what I want to ask you, uh, 
if you were mayor, and I'm going to ask the mayor tomorrow uh, when she's here. Two, there are two issues uh, that we're talking about. Then we'll get to some other things in the council meeting. Uh, homeless and uh, and drug drug abuse, uh, especially at the level of the opioid. We'll take uh, homeless first of all. There are agencies. Mr. Tassoni was in town yesterday. We got mm-hmm. Margo Morriso, uh yep. with homeless. We've got uh, we've got community care a lot. We've got a lot of agencies. Should um, an administration and I'll ask the mayor again tomorrow. Um, should we not really participate uh, with the with the homeless uh, and let these agencies that are all around uh, come in? Because what happens is that um, is a city government, um, you know, with all these agencies around us, can they handle the issue and and just let the city back away? Or does the city have to have a prominent role in uh uh, dealing with the homeless, same for the opioid thing. Do we let the um, the drug um, uh, community service agencies handle it? Like for instance, C- uh, Community Care Alliance, let the the uh, Kodak van exist and just let it go and let uh, those agencies handle it. They get the federal and state funds, and uh, let's uh, you know build Cass Park instead. That's actually what's happening right now. You know, a lot of that is being handled by a lot of the community or organizations that are receiving the funding. Um, what I felt that was really lacking is the collaboration, not just between the organizations, but with the administration. Um, there's a lot of issues that involve um, uh, tending to the homeless and the people who are struggling with uh, opioid addiction. And some of it has to do with um, uh, city law and city order, you know, and if we want to uh, progress, even as we're looking at the Kodak van, we're talking now zoning issues, you know, so so when you have, you know, the city and the organizations vested in um, the progress, you know, I think that that's always um, a, a more productive, and actually, I think that as we uh, begin to model that, you know, a city that can work well with these organizations because there's some needs that come from um, the city department that a lot of the organizations don't don't see. You know, um, I don't know if they receive all the reports of how much of our um, uh, fire and police and EMS um, uh, 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 force is being um is being drawn by some of these issues. And I think you have to get the full picture, you know, from every angle. And the more participation you have, the, um, the, the better it is. If we're sitting, but it has to be a round table. It has to be uh, a conversation um, and with, uh, with respect and with the thing being at the center, uh, it being the truth that, we're all looking to end homelessness. We're all looking to end the opioid crisis. And, um, and I just want to add that this um, uh, committee or task force, which we still haven't really even decided as of last night, um, it, it, it's not just limited to those two issues. Um, we have hunger. We have, we have a lot of um, other uh, social issues that, um, that I'm hoping that this would um, become you know, something that would expand into all of that. So who's going to name the task force and, uh, you know, what are the organizational uh, 
uh, criteria for this? Well, one of the things we ran into was, um, according to the charter, there's two different um, committees. There's um, You can have an advisory committee and a subcommittee, and they each um, have their own um rules and um and it, we talked about you know maybe perhaps doing an advisory committee but if we did an advisory committee we are subject to the open meetings act and uh, most likely we need to have a solicitor and also a city clerk there um and we know um pretty much all of the departments are pretty stretched and i didn't want um scheduling around that to limit the times that we could meet. So right currently we're going to be doing an independent um, community partnership and, uh, and we will be meeting at City Hall, uh, but um, not under either one of those. And I think it will lead to um, either a subcommittee or an advisory board. I think we can decide that later, but the conversation needs to begin now. And who... Uh who becomes part of the advisory committee, and how soon do you think you're going to get your first meeting going? Well, we, we have a draft of, of um, people, um, and um, I'm, one part of what I'm doing today is reaching out to everyone on that list. And we're going to, um, hopefully, I'm hoping already by next week, um, or even this week, that we might be able to organize um, a meeting. We do have a meeting with Community Care Alliance on Monday. So, um, uh, most likely, I wanna, uh, it'll be after that. A dozen, more or less, to uh, this uh, advisory committee, or 24? No, no, we wanna, we're going to start with smaller numbers. And always, um, you know, uh, because uh, there's no ordinance and there's no resolution behind this, um, the number can be flexible, you know, um, but, and we can reach out to organizations as we deal with the different, um, with the different issues. Um, but we're looking more anywhere between seven and nine the most right now. All right. Before we uh, take a break, I want to break away from this because there are other things uh, to, uh, to talk about. And I want to talk about water meters for a second. Um, uh, Now, I know we pay water and sewer separately, and so I know that the water division has a big account of money (laughs) Mm -hmm. that uh, they can use. So this uh, business of, uh, first of all, I didn't know uh, that I needed a new water meter, but uh, anyway, this business of changing water meters, is it going to cost the taxpayer, other than the water rate payer, any money uh, for this? And did you get much information on this or more to come? Well, we had a lot of it. Um, the funding for this um, from some of the ARPA funds. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it came back on the docket is because um, the administration had applied for some grants. And when they applied for the grants, um, we actually uh, were awarded a grant. And um, and the pricing is going to change because the grant is going to be paying for 40% of the cost of the meters. So um, the resolution yesterday um, was on the docket um, basically to to inform and to authorize, you know, this this change because 
um, if as a city, whether it comes from ARPA, no matter where it comes, if you're going to get a 40% discount, you just have to um, take advantage of it however you can. So therefore, if uh, Roger understands what Valerie is saying, uh, since we used uh, some opera funds, uh, American Rescue Federal dollars to help finance this, and we got a grant, that means maybe some uh, funds come back into the fund, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. It's just big money, too, uh, yeah. because I think it was $5 million that we're talking about for the whole price tag. Correct. It was a big, um, it was $5 million, and that covered, I think, um, uh, Director Diagostino said about the 9,600 um, residential homes that are here in Woonsocket. All right. Well, we'll have to corner Mr. Luba. And yeah. find out <laughs> if we can find him. Uh, well, no, that wasn't nice. Uh, we'll corner Mr. Luber and find out what, uh, what kind of money is coming back into the fund. We're going to take a break here, give Valerie a little uh, breathing time here to... Um, did you bring in coffee? Are you a water oh, drinker? Oh, yeah. Do you drink coffee I'm at all? I'm probably the only Latina in the world that doesn't drink coffee. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Has it always been I that think, way? Yes, I think I might be disowned. I yeah. I love coffee. I mean, I really love it. Back in a moment. Do you have trees on your property needing attention? Winter time is the right time for an assessment. Call Rhode Island Tree and Landscape for your free estimate. With over 40 years' experience, they're certified operists and fully insured to give you peace of mind. They're a full-service company offering tree removal, pruning, trimming, stump grinding for commercial and residential customers. Call Rhode Island Tree and Landscape in Rhode Island at 401-276-2828. Or in Massachusetts, call 508 399 7773 for your free estimate. So, what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expansive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler. A paddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out a taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a Grumpy Sirloin Steak. Filet Young or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner, all char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. The name of the business, All Tech Painting. We've been serving the Massachusetts and Rhode Island community with top-notch painting services. We want to be your one-stop shop for interior and exterior painting, plastering, drywall repair, power washing, wood staining, and so much more. And we do all this with the promise of 100% satisfaction using quality materials and the finest product you can be proud of. That's the kind of company we are. Have any questions or want a quote? Call 401-378-7765. All Tech Painting of North Attleboro. Ready to serve you at 401-378-7765. Skilled craftsmen, ready to work for you. Well, here's a question for you from Vern Rainville. Do you have frozen pipes or ice dams causing some damage to your home last winter? Well, this is probably covered by insurance. And did you know that you have two years to file a claim? Call Vern Rainville, the local adjuster that represents you not the insurance company. Vern is a licensed public adjuster by the state of Rhode Island and will work for you to initiate a claim. You can call Vern Rainville 
today at 484-300-8495 for a free, no-obligation, in-home consultation. All calls are returned in less than 24 hours. And uh, Vern reminds you, too, that damage from a tree, whether it be yours or your neighbor's, is covered by your homeowner's uh, homeowner's policy. And um, Vern uh, has a background in construction to know what it takes to repair your home properly and also is familiar with the local building codes. Vern successfully ran Vern Rainville Company. It's a carpentry company for 28 years before he entered the field of becoming a public insurance adjuster. So uh, he knows the ropes uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with insurance adjusters for many of those years because he had to deal with them. And, uh, and now he becomes your representative and you don't have to deal with them. And um, no, uh, nothing against insurance adjusters. I think they're fine human beings. I would just rather have Vern work for me instead of having to deal with them directly. Anyway, to talk to Vern, here is his number, 484-300-8495. 484-300-8495. Vern Rainville, public adjuster. This has been WNRI's Upfront. And welcome back to the Upfront program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Valerie Gonzalez, City Council Vice President, Council Member, is in studio with us. And we're talking about um, Woonsocket City business. And uh, so uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about that really maybe didn't, I don't know if it got any attention last night. But I got attention the council meeting before because I have both agendas here. A lot of people, especially Mr. Beauchamp, uh, when he was here two weeks ago. And I was interviewing him uh, pretty much like we're doing this morning. A lot of time spent on um, uh, Cinegro and right next door, the wastewater treatment plant and uh, and cleaning it up. And he thinks that sometime in this administration period, and when we say administration, we're not talking about leasing necessarily. We're talking about the city council's part of the administration of the city as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that this might be the two-year period to solve some way, somehow, even if it's a buyout, maybe, as Mr. D'Agostino uh, suggested, of uh, doing something about this company. Now, how does Valerie Gonzalez feel about it? First of all, we have to be in a neighborhood where we're bothered by it. Now, I I live, um, well, you know where I live in, in, off of Winter Street, and I don't smell it too often, so I'm not like a really pushing for this, but on the other hand, I'm compassionate about my uh, Oak Grove neighbors and those on Cumberland Hill Road. Valerie, you're on. Yeah, I think that um, that's also a situation that is reaching um, a point (laughs) of uh, something has to happen. You know, um, there has been issues. The the public works director has been um, you know, pretty efficient in informing us, you know, of some of the issues that are happening. And, and, um, and the, I agree, something is going gonna, is gonna to need to change because um, there has been a lot of communication and a lot of requests for, um, uh, for more action. And I think that, um, that we're at a place where um, 
where we have to look at the whole picture and and I'm all for whatever it takes to um solve that situation. So I'm 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 one of the ones that is um that is uh I'm just hearing the public works director. He's the one that that's dealing with the I've never gone to visit and mm-hmm. honestly that's the one thing that I'm probably not I usually get excited about visiting businesses and mm-hmm. things like that. Um I don't know that I would want to burning even, plants you don't I, like? no I don't I don't want to see that one myself. Huh. You know, so I trust right. um our the work of our public works director and I know he's frustrated um and and uh, and we can be frustrated because we see whatever the reports you know when it smells and when it doesn't smell. So it's a front burner issue this uh, time yeah. around. Yeah. Well, certainly you'll get plenty of uh, feedback because Mr. Manseri went, uh, has told us that he lives in that neighborhood and yeah. is quite aware of well, the, I drive uh, by it often <laughs> because <laughs> so I'm not too far, uh-huh. you know, from it. Uh-huh. So I, I think I'm probably like right around the cutoff line of, you know, where the smell goes. But on the way home, you know, I get to know where we're at. This is an unrehearsed radio broadcast. Uh, we do not... Uh, pre-talk uh, about uh, topics, so I don't know if uh, Valerie is going to uh, 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 handle this uh, with um, a lot of information. Maybe she can. I'll look it up. But uh, I'm looking at both council meeting agendas from uh, the first council meeting to uh, last night's. And then I look at all the others. There's always an American Rescue Plan Act funds status report. Yeah. And... I was wondering, I know that uh, when we were sitting here originally and the funds were coming in, I remember, I don't know if it was a mayor or somebody, saying that uh, Navigant Credit Union has $24 million uh, on on account uh, for the city of Winsaka. Maybe it's 27. We got a lot of American Rescue. We've spent some of it. I was just wondering uh, if you might know uh, where we stand financially uh, with that. Do we have a lot of money uh, to spend? I think there's still... Um, quite a bit of money and as you as we just recently discussed you know while some of the um things have been allocated i think the administration has been doing some great work and trying to get some funding and um and other things like for example we have uh allocate uh, money allocated for the fire hydrants you know but they're working on a um in a new grant for that so it's going to you know, if if they're able to get the grant, it frees up, you know, some of the um, the funds. So uh, the count is more fluid, I would say, you know, because of of all the different things that are happening outside of it. You allocate it, but it doesn't get spent right away. So during the time that you're looking, you're putting your RFPs and you're, you know, doing all the work that entails, you know, preparing for whatever it is that you're doing. Um, oftentimes we run into um, into other funding sources um, that would free up and um, and op- and open the account for that. I, I don't have my internet here is not uh, working, so I can't really. Um, obviously, I don't. And our password is like thirty thirty six letters. Yeah. <laughs> so if not, I was going to open it up and try uh-huh. to give you a little more information, uh-huh. like more precise details. But 
um, but I'm struggling with that. All right, so you don't know what the balance of funds is on hand. Uh, right no, now. I can't give you a number. And, you know and I've learned not to. Right. If I don't know it, just, okay. yeah, if I what can't we'll give you a we'll, we'll throw that question at the mayor, and if she's listening right now, she can do her homework and just say, oh, I've got this right off the top of my head. All right, thank you. We have a caller waiting. Oh, here it is. Oh, okay. Here it is. Unallocated ARPA funds as of yesterday is $21,201,206. That's a lot of money left over. Yeah. Right? And um, and you don't have forever to spend it. It's not like no. it can sit there. So um, maybe there should be a, a task force. Yeah. <laughs> which I will head, if you will point me, <laughs> to uh, figure out what to do uh, with the money. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I do think that um, it's important that we make sure that uh, we don't lose any of those funds. Uh, so as a yeah. constituent, I'm, I'm uh, expressing that concern. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that um, if there's something that I've seen that the administration um, has done is they've they've been able to capitalize on whatever funding you yeah. know we get. I've actually seen it in both levels, school committee. And um, and now with the administration that, um, yeah, we don't like letting go of any penny, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so they've got a plan. Yeah, huh? I'm sure there's a plan. Uh, could you put on your earphones here in the oh. studio? Okay. Which and, ones uh, are mine? And, uh, I don't oh, know. <laughs> Maybe these. These are questions too complicated for Roger. My only question will be when you put them on. Can you hear me in your earphones? I do. All right. Is it too loud or too soft? No. You're never too loud. No, never too loud. All right. We have a caller. And uh, i got to see if I can uh, bring the volume up here and so forth. All right. Press the button. What would you like to ask uh, Valerie, please? Uh, just a couple of things, Valerie, and congratulations on being, I think, so. I don't know, the first Latina maybe elected and... Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a privilege and an honor for you. So, congratulations. You're not the first, though, right? No, there's, I believe there was, there was um, someone who was mixed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was um, on the program, and uh, that, that's how we, yeah. we uh, but she didn't stay long. Uh, she moved out of town. Uh, yeah, after. she didn't stay long. Right. And, and I don't think she ever got mm -hmm. to really advocate for mm -hmm. the Latino community. Correct. Um, so, um, so oh, I'm glad to hear that you do that because my, my two, my two um, things are, number one, these funds, which I call COVID funds, because that's what they are. Am I right in assuming that? Um, that's from the it, first COVID. It came from that. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Okay, so that, that goes way back to the first COVID um, blast of money, uh, which... Uh, is uh, certainly hurtling us towards bankruptcy. All right, well, what's the question? That, the, second, the question is, how soon do you think that is going to be applied? And has any of the, I'm going to hang up, though. I'm not going to stay on for the answer. And have any of those funds been used in the police or fire department? That's one question. So you can just write police and fire. Yep. By the way, always good to have written notes. Number two. You talked about the fentanyl, the, the drugs, and what is happening. My question to you is, do you connect any of that to the National Democrat policy of this wide-open border? And I hope you're not going to say that you, that 
you don't know about it because she knows if that. you don't, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So do you think there's a connection there, and what do you think should be done about it? Should you talk to our senators? We got it. My guest. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, two uh, questions on the table. Which one do you want to go back on the second one well, first? Well, let's, let's start on the first one. Okay. Police and fire. Yes, ARPA funds have been used for police and fire um, in different ways, including um, when um, we were doing the new contracts. There were some bonuses that were given out. Um, uh, and then um, the opioid crisis that is happening all over the nation, I think, that you know um open borders do not help mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's it, it's not a secret that there's a lot of drugs that are being trafficked from um uh from mexico and from other areas uh so i actually have a friend right now who um has been uh he's he serves in the military and he's right you know on on the border right now and um and and he you know, it's a great challenge. It's a great challenge. And um, I don't think anybody could say that it doesn't, you know, have um, have an impact because um, I think the statistics and, and, the, and the, the evidence speaks loudly otherwise. Yeah, so uh, what happens is that uh, no matter where you stand, we know that fentanyl and, and these uh, drugs are coming from the cartel across the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, uh, that's that's a fact. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican yeah, or an it Independent, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's there. And uh, we just—I um, don't think that Roger or Valerie can stop it. I don't think it's uh, in our uh, domain to do it. I wish somebody would, but not in our domain. Before we um, go to other questions that Roger chooses, uh, I was just uh, wondering if uh, there's something that. Um, might be uh, it doesn't have to be city council related it just could be community related or um you could even give a plug uh, to um to your church if you want i mean you can do anything you want just a few moments so uh, where valerie doesn't have to answer a question she's just got a, an open microphone to talk about something of interest to her well for those that um are not aware i am a pastor in the city um, I pastor Vida Church. Um, one of the initiatives that we're looking to reopen in April is our Bread of Life Ministries. Um, so, so you know, we don't um, we don't just talk about um, feeding the hungry. We are vested in ending hunger, and we find that when I fr- when we first started Bread of Life Ministries, I thought we were going to be feeding the homeless, but we're finding out that more and more that um it's not you have middle class um and lower middle class people who have to decide between gas they have two working people in their house but everything has um gone up so high that they have to decide between gas and food you know so um what we are looking to provide is um community meals in a dignified um environment where um, we want it to feel more like a restaurant quality thing where families in the community can come in um, and not just um, eat together, but fellowship. There's something about when you break bread with someone, you know, and and that's part of um, our big initiative for this year. We've had Bread of Life for years, but we're just um, revamping our kitchen and um, and reorganizing. 
So this bread of life, um, is this a strictly uh, associated with your church or is this a part of a national thing and that you back into that locally or, or uh, is, is this well, strictly it's, local? It's, um, it's, lo- it's local. It's local. We, we started it, you know, um, we actually, one of the, when we first came into the city, we wanted to join forces in feeding the hungry. And we just looked around and saw which days we didn't have any um, uh, evening meals. And those were the days that we would pick. So I, I love the efforts that are being done by organizations like New Beginning and um, in other organizations, I know the Milagros Project comes and feeds people, you know, sometimes. So, um, again, I know they, they will look and see where is there a gap, you know, and we just try to fill it that way. So, uh, this program is um, going to start again? Uh, or? It's going to begin again in April. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit on hiatus, um, and, and we're so glad to um, begin it again. All right. And will you be looking for support from the community to support it, or is it just a, your church effort? We we love community support. We're a community-minded church. You know, everything we do, we just try to, you know, when events happen, like the Zap the Blackstone, um, you know, anything like that, we just love to get connected. So for us, you know, between um, other organizations, um uh, and, and any community, if you want to volunteer, you know, if you want to donate, any of that, you can do so. We do have a Facebook page, is um, Vida, R-I-V-I-D-A, it's life um, in Spanish. And, um, and yeah, just send us a message. We'll be more than happy to um, work with the community. Valerie Gonzalez is with us on the uh, Upfront program on this uh, Tuesday morning. We're reviewing the city council meeting. From uh, last night, I'm looking at the agenda, and uh, and a lot of the stuff is routine, but that's what a council does. I mean, you have to carry on the routine uh, business of uh, of the city of Woonsocket, and, uh, and so that's uh, what you do. But you also um, talk about um, other matters um, under uh, good and welfare, whether it's the community itself uh, or, um, or that. I'm looking at uh, some of the uh, people who spoke uh, last night and uh, a lot of them um, I guess have to do with um, with the uh, the, the uh, Kodak van that was uh, did that take about 45 minutes to it took get close that? to an hour yeah to get yeah. that through now um, you're a seasoned council member there were a couple of new new people there and I'm, I'm just wondering how they uh, they're sitting there saying uh, uh, this is more than I signed up for. You know? Or do you think they were ready for it? No, I, I actually have had conversations with pretty much all of them. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and I don't think they're feeling overwhelmed by uh-huh. it. I think actually um, a lot of them are passionate about these issues. And they are you know, honored to have the opportunity to be able to uh, be a part of the difference. You know, for some... It'll be like I know Scott McGee asked the question yesterday and he was like honestly asking the questions and and just to have the opportunity to have all these um, people who are doing all the grunt work and and are really meeting face to face the people in need to have them and be able to sit with them. And that's what the the meeting on Monday is going to be about um, just to get more educated and to see where we're at uh, with all these things, I think. 
I think everybody's being very welcoming to that. That meeting with CCA, Community Care Alliance, one of our social service agencies, is that what we call, quote unquote, a workshop meeting? Yes, that is a workshop. So how do these workshop meetings uh, relate to uh, the... uh, uh, the public can people um, go to a workshop meeting, or are they uh, are they in a crowded conference room, or are they held in the regular chambers? Yeah, the the workshop is more uh, private. Um, you know, where um, we just sit at the table and and um, and hash out different information. Um, but uh, so it's not; it won't be televised. It won't be on the radio. You know, it's it's a more private conversation. Thank a you. closed door conversation. I got it. All right, I have a commercial for uh, one of our new sponsors. And uh, I think you'd be interested in this uh, commercial because this is the way it was supposed to uh, work. Uh, you are familiar, Valerie, with uh, Mill Race uh, here in Winsocket. I am. And they're, they're supposed to be an incubator for, uh, well, I mean, they have a lot of different uh, sources. But people come in there and, and use their facilities and and then, then they're supposed to go out on their own. And that's exactly what this commercial is all about. And uh, I'm pleased to read about it because I remember when Mill Race um, was open to the public, this particular business they were going to advertise uh, was in there. And they were just learning how to make uh, Belgium chocolates. And, um, and they learned and, and they uh, then took their business uh, uh, to Pawtucket, and that's where they are today. And here's uh, the commercial as I read it here. So if you're looking to support local small business for your Valentine this year, check out Divas Dips and Gourmet Treats. Recently featured in Edible Roadie magazine, the Divas offer an array of gourmet Belgium chocolate treats and confections. Having started out at the Mill Race Kitchen here in Woonsocket, the Divas, this is a mother and daughter, uh, the Divas are located in the Hope Artist Village at uh, 1005 Main Street in Pawtucket. You can order uh, online, and uh, all you have to do is uh, type in Divas with an S, D-I-V-A-S, Dips, D-I-P-S, dot com. And you can also find us on Instagram and also on Facebook. And um, they tell me that uh, if you order something, uh, we will deliver. And even though we're in Pawtucket, we'll deliver here to Winsocket. So if you're looking for something for your Valentine, you might want to consider this new uh, business, Divas Dips and Gourmet Treats. Or you can... uh, uh, go to 1055 Main Street in Pawtucket, and it's right on the way to the new train station, <laughs> incidentally, <clears throat> when you cross over the Central Falls um, uh, Pawtucket line. The train station is on the right, and and the Divas uh, Dips and Gourmet, um, gourmet Treats is, uh, is straight ahead. All right, so much uh, for that. And so I'm so glad to see uh, a Woonsocket uh, startup uh, at Mill Race do what? the intention of Mill Race was supposed to do. I've got time for one call here, uh, Valerie, if you don't mind. So you've got the earphones on, and uh, what question would you like to pose to Valerie? Oh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you. The Kodak truck was sent to one socket because we have the highest concentration of deaths from uh, overdoses. Mm -hmm. I believe they say they service 44 people a day. Can you please tell me why? The planning board will not approve it. Seems to me 
it's very easy to ask them to approve it. Can you tell me why they don't? Okay, vote? thank you. Fair enough question. Yeah, why did uh, why did they do it? Do you know why they did it, or are you going to look into it? If you, if you, uh, one of the things that was discussed last night was um, the cease and desist order, and um, there were zoning issues um, that um, were brought up. I have not. I was not. In any of the in any of the meetings and um, and I and there were a couple of issues actually that um, the mayor brought up that outside of just the zoning you know um, area we talked she talked about um, you know just the fact that that is a very public area and um, when you talk about people who need um, the medication it's not just about um, people. It's not just the homeless. People always think that the opioid crisis only affects the people on the street, but they're, you know, mothers, fathers, you know, professionals. It could be people that are co-workers and, um, and probably uh, she suggested that perhaps we find a place that, um, that would eliminate perhaps um, the, the, someone might be embarrassed that someone would see them going in the van or something like that. Um, so more, a little bit of more privacy um, added to it. Um, the details of, you know, why they didn't exactly approve it, I, it, it was zoning um, issues for what I understand. All right. And you know what? We can explore that uh, with uh, the source of, uh, of it. I mean, it is a, came from City Hall. We'll chat with it uh, uh, with the mayor. Any final words before we uh, do our final commercial and let you uh, go on your merry city council vice president way? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing that I'm super excited that I just got. Um, um, uh, I, I just got uh, um, not elected. I elected, but not, you know, like a regular election. But there was a pool of people that applied for something called the Rodell Institute. The Rodell Institute is um, an, um, a program in the United States that um, convenes bipartisan groups. Um, and the whole idea behind it is to um, bring us together in different types of fellowships so that we might be able to break down the barriers that are formed by partisan um, parties. And, and, um, and I'm just looking forward. I'm, I'm one of these people that wants to work to unify. You know, that's my goal you know, in life to wherever there's there's a wall that separates us that we might be able to find common ground. So I'm really excited that I just received news yesterday that um, in I believe in New England, there's 20 to 24 people that are elected to sit um, uh, to participate in this program. And um, I received news last night that I was one of them. Must be a puzzle to you why people uh don't like to uh, get together and solve problems uh, and stay divided instead. I, I still yeah. must be fascinating to you, right? <laughs> well, you know, um, I I can see the I can see the reasoning. There's a lot of reasons for a lot of these things, but um, I think people get stuck in all the reasons, and um, un, un, unless we um, we find ways of just um, being able to at the very least have civil conversations um, those those reasons are never going to dissipate instead they're going to grow so um, yeah so for me you know that's one of the things I love um, I love bringing people together I feel that I was brought into one socket in this area to be a bridge and um, it's 
you know, my mission in life. And I'm excited that I was ex- accepted into this program. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. All right. Valerie Gonzalez. Uh Wayne Bobber is coming up at five minutes so with the author's hour. He's going to give us a little bit of a preview here. Wayne? Celebrating Black History Month on the author's hour. Today we have author Sharon Tubbs with her new book released in 2023, They Got Daddy, One Family's Reckoning with Racism and Faith. Please tune in. This has been WNRI's Upfront. 